Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August the 6th, and our chapter for today is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Now, in all of these chapters that we're going through in the Gospels and throughout the entire New Testament, as you know, you can take a verse or three verses or five and you can preach for an hour, and many of us can preach for longer than that. So the reality is I have to take some aspect of the passage and share that with you and trust that in the years ahead, I will be able to share more if God lets us all live. But I want to share with you in this particular podcast what Jesus talks about in verse 11 and verse 12 when he is talking to the Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees and those who would be trying to lead Jesus into saying something and doing something, always trying to trip him up, always trying to get him to say something that would contradict Moses, the instruction that he gave in the Torah or some other part of the Tanakh. And the scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus and here's what they did. In verse 11, it says, Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven and testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit. It troubled him. It went to the core of his being. And he said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. Now, it's interesting that Matthew picks up on this same conversation and he finishes the statement that Mark in his brevity does not bring out. It's in chapter 16 of the Gospel of Matthew. That was one of our chapters, but we did not deal with this aspect of it. Again, you cannot deal with every verse and every chapter the same way. Then the Pharisees, this is Matthew 16:1. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came testing him and asked him if he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks a sign. But listen to this. And no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. Now that's fascinating. What was the sign of Jonah and the prophet's life that brought about that kind of rebuke from Jesus to these people? Well, it was that Jonah was in the belly of the great fish 
for a period of three days and three nights. That is, he was absolutely given up for dead, but he wasn't. Now, the sign was that Jesus was giving them was this. As Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth, in the tomb, for three days and three nights. But indeed, he would be dead, but he would rise from the dead. And when the people saw Jonah, they thought indeed that Jonah had risen from the dead because it had been known that he was thrown overboard. And so indeed, this was the sign. But what I want you to understand is that as you read through this, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about to the church at Corinth. And I want us to learn something from this as to the way that we reach people because we do not reach everybody the same way. If you listen to most evangelicals, they would say that all people come to Christ the same way. We just preach the gospel to them. We go find them and we present the Roman road or the Isaiah road or the John road. We put some scriptures together. We string them together to get across uh, points and help people, we think, to understand what it really means to be saved and we then get them to pray a prayer and if they pray a prayer then we say okay you're saved welcome the family of God let's get you dipped and then we can go on to someone else now like it or not that's what most evangelism has been in the United States and in the West and it's not a very good product and here's the reason the proof is in the pudding how's that working out for us well, the reality is you say, well, it's worked for the last 50 years. Well, 50 years is a drop in the ocean in time. That's not the way you determine whether something is of God or not as to whether it, quote, works. That's pragmatism. That's not biblical theology. And what we've done is we've built our lives on pragmatism, on, quote, what works, end quote. And I can tell you a lot of things look like they're working, but they don't last very long. The Word of God will stand forever. And the truths in the Word of God will help us to understand how we reach people. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, verse 1, beginning in verse 20, he said, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in his wisdom, in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now listen to this. This sounds very familiar to Mark's gospel, chapter 8, and Matthew chapter 16. Listen to what Paul said. For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Did you get that? Let me read it again. This is verse 22. Here's what he says. For the Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. You see, the way that the Jews look at whether something is of God or not is through a divine miracle. Over and over again, the great acts of God, the great time periods where God moved in an unusual way were always accompanied by the supernatural. 
down through the Tanakh, down through the history of the Bible. When God did something, he did it supernaturally. When he brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, he did it through the miracles of the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the manna from heaven, the parting of the Jordan River, on and on and on we could go. But it goes back even farther than that. Look at what happened with Abraham. God made a covenant with him, and he supernaturally brought the children of Abraham into existence. While Isaac was an act of God over and over again, God says, I created the nation. I created Isaac. He was a supernatural gift from heaven itself. Sarah was old. Abraham was old. She was past childbearing. She had already been through menopause. He was a miracle over and over again. When Elijah wanted to say to the people, either serve God or serve Baal. What happened? He called down fire from heaven. I could go on and on and on. Come to the New Testament. Jesus proved that he was the son of God, that he was the Messiah, not just by his supernatural words, but by his supernatural works. And the greatest miracle of all was not casting out demons, healing people, making the deaf to hear, the blind to see, the mute to be able to speak. No, the greatest miracle of all was that Jesus died for our sins. He was actually dead for three days. Then he rose bodily from the grave. And that was the same sign of Jonah. This is what Jesus said. Jonah was a foreshadowing of the reality of Jesus rising from the dead. And by that, there were many who saw that and they were converted. On the other hand, the Greeks, they are not so much into signs and miracles. They want to know, does it make sense? Is it rationale? Is it rational? Is it something that I can see, I can reason it out? All of these things are critical. And if we understand the Western mind is a Greek mind. And so that is why what we try to do is talk people into getting saved. That's right. We feel like if people will just agree with us, that they are saved. Now think about it. If you've ever been taught an evangelism class, you know what they say. Does this make sense to you? Do you believe that you're a sinner? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that if you trust in him, you can be saved? Yes. Well, uh, is there any reason why you wouldn't, any reason why you wouldn't give your life to Jesus? No, there's no intelligent reason why I shouldn't. If what this says is true, why wouldn't a man do that? Well, do you want to do that? Yes right now. Yes, then do it. Then pray this prayer with me. Uh, Lord, I'm a sinner. Come into my life. Now, that may be the way that someone is saved, but everybody that prays that prayer is not saved. I assure you they're not because I baptize many that say, no, I wasn't saved. I was doing that, and but there was no life change. It was just, yeah, I believe that. Well, the Bible says the demons of hell believe that. They give intellectual assent to that and they are not saved. Now, all I'm saying to you is this, that there is a way to a man's heart, and if you're of the Western mindset, if you're a Greek in your philosophy and thinking, and people in the West are that way, then we just somehow believe that if we can get somebody to agree with us, then that means commitment. It's not the case, and it never has been, never will be. 
It has to be credo. It has to be fiduciary. It has to be a commitment of a life. You have to get under the hoopah. You have to say, I do. There has to be vows to each other. Repentance means more than just intellectual assent. It means that you make decisions that lead to a change of life, and only God can grant you the grace to do that. But the Jews come to it. Many times I've talked with Jewish people who have been observant Jews, or they have been at least aware and observers of Shabbat. Maybe not every Shabbat, but they're observant of Shabbat. They observe the holidays, this, that, and the other. But it is through a miracle of healing, or it's through a miracle that they've prayed and God answered a prayer, that they come to trust Jesus as the Messiah through a miraculous work. All I'm saying to you is that Jesus dealt with the same things that we're dealing with when he dealt with those who are of the household of Abraham, of his natural seed, the Jewish people. They know, they already have a lot of knowledge of wisdom about the words of God, the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, and the writings. But many times they need a supernatural manifestation to know that indeed it is God. And so they seek after a sign. And Jesus said that they would be getting no other sign except that of Jonah, the prophet. In other words, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. You remember the story in the Gospel of Luke of the rich man who died and went to torment, went to Hades. And the Bible says that in Hades, he said, please, please send somebody back to tell my brothers not to come to this awful place. And the Lord said to him, they would not believe though one rise from the dead. And the reason he said that was, he said, they have Moses and the prophets. If they will not believe the words of God, they would not believe though one rise from the dead. You see, sooner or later, you have to trust God. And if Jesus can rise from the dead and people still not believe, there is no hope for them because that is the only sign that will be given that a man can understand how to be saved. And that is by trusting Jesus' sacrificial, substitutionary, vicarious death in their place. And when a man does that and he changes his thinking toward God, And he turns by a simple trust, like childlike faith, and says, yes, I believe you died to pay the penalty for my sins. You are righteous. I'm not. And I place my trust and my faith in you and the death that you died to pay the penalty for my sins. At that point in time, God says he puts on your account the righteousness that Jesus gives to you the moment you trust him. And he takes and puts on his account all of the sins that you've ever done or ever will do. That's the great transaction. That's the salvation that is by grace. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.